My name is Cafe Anderson. I am an independent country music artist. Come on, a little bit louder. Can we country it up for you now? I'm from Bangs, Texas, but now I live in Los Angeles, California. I am married to the baddest woman on the planet, Chrisilla Anderson. I have danced with some of the hottest superstars in today's industry. Thank you. I'm talking Snoop Dogg, Britney Spears, Rihanna. I feel like I can dance. Hey, fish and Reel that in, throw it away. Leaning on the locker. It's a lot. I don't know how y'all do it. Priscilla and I have three wonderful children. Go get a bed. I think what makes our family special is that we're completely opposite people. It is country versus city. My, my baby eats sushi, and he's seven. <laughs> the Please biggest... tell me this is go totally real. Make it be a documentary. Please don't let this be fictional. Santa Claus is real. Welcome to Court Killers, the show about watching the stuff you love, when you want, where you want, however you want. I'm Tom Merritt. Hey, I'm Brian Brushwood, and most importantly, uh, that looks like a pre-written plot. Please don't let that be, like, like let, let that be a real unscripted show. This, well, unscripted, we'll see how that goes. This is a new Netflix reality series, Country-ish, that follows indie country singer Coffee Anderson and his dancer wife, Priscilla. Uh, she, so it's unscripted. It's a real singer. It's a and... docu series. It's a yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. I realized. I realized I was cheering for it, and only now am I retroactively remembering. Like, oh, doesn't a kid get cancer? <laughs> so so now I'm a bad, bad. Person. So he is from a small town in Texas, and she's battling cancer. Oh dear. Oh my gosh! Um, it's my life story, except for the part about him being a country music singer and from Texas, and his wife having cancer. Yeah, except for all of that. Uh, so that is coming to Netflix September. 25. Uh, joining us is Shannon Morris. Shannon, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be back. Uh, dude, it's so good to see you guys again. Um, uh, uh, okay, so that's coming to Netflix. Uh, 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 Tom, should we just dive in on the primary target? Yeah, the, the reason we have Shannon Morse uh, from Hack 5 and Threatwire and sometimes Daily Tech News Show is because Shannon just set up a Plex server on Synology. We know all you Plex heads are like, you don't have enough Plex content. So now we do on our primary target. <laughs> it's time to flex our Plex. So Shannon, take us through it. Uh, you, you did a Plex server on Synology, right? Yeah, I did. Um, so it was kind of a complicated process. I was expecting it to be a lot easier and just a step-by-step -step routine, but uh, I did run into a few little complications along the way. Uh, so I know everybody's familiar with Plex. If you aren't familiar with Synology, it's a network attached storage box, like a literal box with a bunch of solid state drives inside of it or hard disk drives. And you can put things on it and then you can access them from anywhere on your network. And if you decide to open it up over the internet, you can access your box from anywhere else on the internet as well. I don't do that second part because I'm all about security and privacy. Because you want to so. keep it locked down, but yeah, yeah. That's right. So the idea right. was you wanted to have all your media on the Synology and accessible through the Plex server, right? Yeah. So for the longest time, I've had all of my media, including all of these like Blu-rays and DVDs and all my home videos that I have burned to my computer just on my computer and I couldn't access them anywhere else. So I was like, I think I'm finally just going to stick everything on this network attached storage box, the Synology, and then I'll be able to stream all of my media from everywhere. But how do you do that? Oh, you do it with the Plex Media Server app. So that's that's basically what got me into this whole thing. So, so you don't open the Synology to the internet, you let Plex handle that part of it. 
Yeah, exactly. And they take care of everything on the back end. Like the, the software is free. So you just set up an account on their website. You can purchase a Plex pass so you can get like live TV and all this good stuff. I didn't do that. I just stuck with the freebie one. And then you basically pair it to your network attached storage device, whether that's from Synology or QNAP or you build your own server. You could do that too. Uh, and then you go through the steps. Now, there are some complications that you might run into. For example, when I was setting mine up, I noticed that the Synology box, uh, their own integrated software did not have an up-to-date version of Plex that you could download, like an app that you could download on the, on the box. So I had to go over to the Plex website and find a downloadable version that was completely up-to-date. Now, the reason why I chose to do that is because they might have like security updates. There might be vulnerabilities that they find that they choose to patch. There might be um, issues with integrating the file system, whatever you might see. So it's always best to get the most up-to-date version of Plex from their website, as opposed to going with what you see on the NAS. And, does and you're run, so you're running the Plex server from the Synology box then? I am, yeah. So That's I'm so able elegant. to find yeah. everything. It, it's very, very elegant. And it's a really, really fluid, easy to use integration of the Plex application on the Synology box. Uh, one of the other problems that I kind of ran into was when I was first dragging and dropping all of my files over to the Synology, I noticed that Plex wasn't registering that I had like thousands of TV show episodes. So I had to figure out later down the line that apparently the file naming conventions that you use, you have to make them very specific for Plex to actually realize that those are TV shows and to even register that there are files existing in your TV show folder on your Synology NAS box. So I found this website, it was called TV, the TVDB database. And that's exactly how you're supposed to name all of your files. So if I'm watching like How I Met Your Mother, I would name it How I Met Your Mother underscore S01E01 for season one, episode one, and then stick it on the network attached storage device. And then Plex would actually recognize it. I guess that's oh, to keep ahead. the Plex directory from just being filled up with a bunch of gunk. You want it to only yeah. have TV shows. Yeah. So nicely, when you start syncing stuff over to your Plex box, it should intelligently put all of your like TV shows into their own specific folder. So if I had How I Met Your Mother, it would put How I Met Your Mother into its own folder. Big Bang Theory went into its own folder. Sim Simpsons went into its own folder. So as long as it can recognize the specific names that you have decided to put your file names as, then it should intelligently stick those in separate folders. And even better, with movies and TV shows, it should also bring over summaries, if it can find them on the internet available, uh, episode titles or movie titles, like the correct titling, uh, posters like movie posters or episode thumbnails, like the thumbnails that you see from a Blu-ray or a DVD. So it should bring over all of this information for you. And then it gives you this really nice GUI, this graphical user interface, uh, whenever you're streaming to your other devices. So everything looks super pretty and it's really easy to find all of your different TV shows and movies, home movies, whatever it might be. Did you have to individually touch each of the files to uh, adjust all the names on there? Or was there some kind of I'm, macro script that worked? I'm actually glad you asked that. So when I did my tutorial on my YouTube channel, uh, I did go through each and every single episode 
And I'm glad that I put that episode out there and said, like, this is how I did my tutorial because people did comment and they told me later, oh, there's actually a software that you can download called FileBot, which will rename all of your media for you so that Plex recognizes it. And it would have saved me like hours of time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind well, of upset that I didn't know about it, but I'm so glad that other people did. So they told me. That's good. How long did it take you to rename all those files? My gosh. Um, probably like six hours or something. <laughs> Uh, it was kind I, of ridiculous. I, I remember cleaning up uh, an awful lot of ID3 tags for MP3s yeah. back in the day. Sure. And there, there were yeah, various yeah. utilities that of varying degrees of quality that would help make that happen. But, but yes. man, that, that bliss once everything is all perfectly arranged and, and, and it's, oh, it's, it's so spot. great. Once you have everything set up, all you have to do on your other devices like your smartphone or your Roku or wherever you decide to stream all of your data to from Plex, you just download the Plex app because it's available across different platforms, whether that's Android, iOS, Windows, Linux, et cetera, et cetera. You just download it and then you log in with your Plex account and you can access everything that you see there. So if you choose to, you can open it up to the internet where you can access your own server in your household uh, just by logging in and it should automatically register for you, whether you're out and about or at home. I chose to close mine down so I can only access it from home, which means if I'm away from my own Wi-Fi, then I won't be able to access my media. But that's okay. I, I chose to do that with the knowledge that it's going to inconvenience myself when I'm away from home. But for the long term, like I'm, I feel much safer doing it that sure, way. Sure, sure. And you, you're just doing that for security reasons. You, you could yes. securely open it up, but you're being extra secure to say like, sure, it's secure, <laughs> yeah, but basically. what if it's not? What if there's a, you know, what vulnerability or something? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Along those lines, if you do decide to open it up and make it remotely ac uh, accessible, um, uh, does it play nice with dynamic IPs or do you have to have a static IP or do you have to have a, a middle service to negotiate that? So apparently it does. Like Plex has already intelligently set everything up for you on the back end. Um, and everything that I was reading online did say that it worked. And I do have a friend who opened it up his Plex server to me so that, I, so that I could kind of test it from that end. And everything that I'm able to stream from his device back at his house, like way over in DC, works perfectly fine. So I think that it would work just fine whether you have static or dynamic IPs and no matter what kind of settings that you have on your home router. So the, uh, when it comes to use case for this, uh, I realized, uh, recently, like I, I tend to be a, ah, don't worry about it. Technology will fix itself. It'll be eventually be available down the road for everything, yeah. but licensing is a different animal. And, uh, I can't count the number of times I bought the abyss. I don't know where it is. And guess what? If you go to justwatch.tv right now, type in the abyss, you cannot buy it, rent it, stream it, see it anywhere. Full stop. What? The the abyss does not exist. True lies does not exist for whatever reason. It's fallen reason, into the abyss. It, it yeah. has fallen into the the, the abyss. Uh, well, that's one of the reasons I did this is because I have all like this crazy anime that you can't find anymore and it it will bring in subtitles for you and like it will automatically play the next episode through the app and you can skip the intro as as one of your one of your viewers mentioned in the chat room so there's a lot of cool integrations that plex has made and it just makes it so much easier to access 
all of that content that you have already purchased and that you already own, even if it, it gets taken down from Netflix or taken down from Amazon Prime. Or, or for whatever reason is, you know, windowed weirdly. For example, uh, yeah. that Gregor in the chat is saying uh, the same thing is happening with the Drew Carey show right now. Yeah, and th things will go, uh, especially right now while companies are switching their licensing agreements as they launch new streaming services, like stuff gets lost in the ebb and flow of that quite often. Things are moving around, jumping from one service to another. Uh, Beatmaster wanted, had a good question too. What media player do you use? Ooh. <laughs> um, if he's just talking about like a regular hardware box, I use a Roku at home. Uh, that's my so you, main you, you media player. So you use that to watch your Plex stuff? Yeah. Yeah, I use that. And then I also downloaded the app on my phone. So if I'm mm -hmm. like, I don't know, taking a bath and wanting to chill and watch Big Bang Theory, I can do that from my phone. Right. So your, your ecosystem is Roku on the TV, phone, and, and obviously you can use your laptop or something just by using the web, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you can just log into your Plex account through the web and they have a really nice interface right there in the browser as well. So it's really fluid. And I got to say, I'm very impressed. And why didn't I do this sooner? Because it has saved me so much time and energy <laughs> and sanity. So uh, is it expensive? Uh, how much is a decent Synology box? So the one that I am running this on is the DS414 Slim, which comes with four bays that you have to put your own SSDs in. Uh, I believed at the time, at the time it costs like maybe $200 or something like that. They do have a lot of different options though. And I think most of them are great for entertainment value as far as streaming content goes. So you can spend anywhere between like uh, just a couple hundred bucks all the way up to like almost a thousand dollars depending on how big of storage devices you choose to put right. inside of those network attached devices yeah uh, i know here obviously we shoot you know uh, what uh, two different um, verticals of of youtube channels all of our uh, podcasting stuff or whatever so it's yeah. like we've got like a, a multiple eight bay things and extensions and we have to swap out you know like uh, ah well we thought two terabyte drives would be enough now we're buying a bunch of four terabyte drives and uh putting other stuff into the cold storage or whatever so it's like when you start uh, uh handling that much data it, it can get to be a handful yeah absolutely i mean i spent probably 400 or 500 on the ssds themselves uh, but i bought really good ones and they have at least two terabytes of storage in each one so, so collectively if, not 400 each, collectively right? yeah, collectively yeah, yeah. yeah so if you want to save some money you can definitely do so but it really depends on how much storage you need to put inside the device because they can come without ssds or hard disk drives if you choose to buy it that way yeah, especially if you already have some that you want to use, you could that might be a good yeah. option for you. Did you consider any other options besides Plex, or was this a I love Plex, I want to I want to do something for it? Because I know Synology even has its own built-in software. There's there's other things that would work with it. Yeah, Synology has their own software, but I really wanted something that was cross-platform for all of my devices, as well as other people in my household, so there wouldn't be any issues there from a user side. Uh, there's also a, I think it's an open source option called Jellyfin or J Jellyfish, something like that. Uh, I looked into it a little bit, but it doesn't look as as cross-platform, as integrated as Plex is um, from that side. So 
yeah, Jellyfin. So that's one that I still kind of want to delve into and see if it's a good option to replace Plex. But for the time mm-hmm. being, I'm very happy with Plex. And Plex is open source underneath itself, right? It's right, just yeah. the Plex, there's the Plex server. The Plex server base code is is based on on uh, the same thing that Cody was based on. It's just Plex forked it at some point, right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah, it is nice that it does have that open source component to it. But I think overall, like not the entire thing is open source. So that is a bit of a concern for some users uh, from that, I guess, security aspect. Um, but for me, in that sense, I think the convenience rolled out. So the, uh, uh, the, the purity of the open source. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes, the purity. <laughs> what has been the biggest surprise, either positive or negative, going through this whole process since you made the decision? Oh, oh that's a good since I made the decision. Ooh, uh, I, the that's move. a good question. I think it would be positive overall. The The whole experience of using Plex on different applications has been so fluid and easy. Like even my husband had never experienced Plex before and he just, he just opened up the app on Roku and he was immediately able to find whatever he wanted to watch. And, uh, he mentioned to me, like, I didn't even know it was a thing until he mentioned it. He was like, Oh, did you know you can skip the intros? And I was like, no. And I love that it just brings in subtitles, like just all those little tidbits that you Mm -hmm. kind of take advantage of in other streaming platforms that I didn't realize Plex was going to include. And I'm glad that they do include those. Yeah. Yeah, And that's, yeah, that's the free version. So I was really, really happy with it. So it's, it sounds like, um, uh, everything you've said implies that it passes the babysitter test where all you have to do (laughs) is just say, here's the, the control. Enjoy. that's assuming they know how to use my universal controller. So <laughs> if they can figure that Plex out, yeah, they can get the dog but, but, but sitter test. Roku, I would imagine. The remote yeah. control may not. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, <laughs> do, you, do you think you're, you'll ever be tempted to add Plex Pass for any reason, uh, you know, now that you're in there and using the Plex app more often? Yeah, definitely. Um, it is one some one thing that I really want to delve into more. Uh, I do like disclaimer. I do have like a PR person at Plex who's uh, offered to give me a Plex pass, so I'm definitely going to take a look at it. But I don't know if it's something I would keep around. I just I have to look at it and see what their op- offerings are to see if it's worth my time. Gotcha. Uh, well, there you go. Thank you, Shannon. Anything else to add? I mean, people should definitely go watch the YouTube tutorial for sure. Yeah, I think that's everything. Uh, The YouTube tutorial that I did, it is kind of long. It's like 15 minutes or something, but it does delve into the problems that I faced. It gives you thumbnails and screenshots of everything that I was able to experience. And it also walks through every single little tidbit. So I think it'll be super, super helpful for anybody setting up something similar to this. We'll mention it again, but that's at youtube.com slash Shannon Morse. All right, folks. You, you Plex users have been asking us to do what we just did for a long time. So now it's time for you to subscribe to our Patreon. Yeah, man. Look, uh, 
I don't want to say that we've ignored every single request except for the ones that have come from our bosses over at patreon.com slash cord killers. But I will point out that it's our patrons that keep us loud, live and independent. You guys are the ones who have kept us afloat since we split from a network years and years and years ago. And you make such a difference. You get your own RSS feed. You get the after talk. Uh, uh, you get a, a special segment, early access to spoiler in time. Uh, uh, dude, it makes all the difference in the world. Patreon.com slash cord killers. Let's talk about how to watch. Oh man, watching things together over the internet when you're not together seems to be catching on. We got three stories about it this week. Uh, some Canadian Disney Plus subscribers, sub story here, Canada getting a feature first. Look, Plex users getting the main topic, Canada getting a feature first. The last shall be first on Cord Killers this week. Some Canadian Disney Plus subscribers are getting the chance to try out Group Watch on Disney Plus. This is a feature that lets you watch the same thing with up to six friends online. Of course, everybody you invite to watch must be a Disney Plus subscriber. Uh, you invite them from an icon on the show title page and you can all watch Mandalorian together or whatever. Uh, Facebook has added watch together to Messenger. Uh, so you can watch video together while being in a messenger video call. This is kind of an interesting take. You can see each other's reactions while you're watching the thing. Now, the video has to be in the Facebook watch tab or at least be uploaded by one of the members of the group chat. I guess that the idea there is if you're you know, shown video from your wedding or rip day party or something like that. And then the Movies Anywhere app's screen pass function is now out of beta. Um about 80% of the titles in Movie Anywhere's catalog are eligible for Screen Pass. Uh, and Screen Pass is mainly about loaning a movie from your Movies Anywhere catalog to a friend. Uh, you have to own it before you can share it. One aspect of Screen Pass, though, is you can use a feature called Watch Together with up to nine people to watch a shared movie at the same time. So, Shannon, uh, it seems like this is the hot thing. Everybody's doing it. Have you participated or do you want to? Uh, absolutely. So one of the things I've experienced, not only when the pandemic started, but also when I moved out here to Colorado is doing streaming watch parties with my friends in the San Francisco Bay Area, where I used to live for like 10 years. So I've been using um, the third party, net, third party Netflix party, I think is what it's called, with yep. one of my friends to do like Friday night movie nights. And the Movies Anywhere one is the one I'm very interested in because I own a lot of movies in Movie Anywhere and I would love to be able to kind of share those with some of my friends from the Bay Area and be able to watch with them. That's such a great way to keep in touch with people. Man, I'm suddenly realizing we just did the uh, Patreon plug and now I'm wondering if we should make like a, a special perk that we'll watch a movie with you, Tom and I. Like <gasps> at, at the top level. Yeah. yeah. We would, That's we, a we great would watch a movie. idea. Yeah, and at an even higher level, you can pick the movie. Ah. <laughs> at the Ooh. highest level, you can make a movie. And then yeah. we'll we will it. make a movie for you and watch it with you. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. There should no, be you're right. Like, this, there. Is, this is the thing I see a lot of folks doing where they're offering to watch a movie with their audience. Uh, I'm still skeptical that this is going to stick around, but I'm getting less skeptical all the time because it does seem like a lot of people are doing it. 
Uh, I, 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 I think a lot of it has to do with just, you know, the rules changing under under COVID conditions. Yeah. You know, it's like and we're all more accustomed. Those have stuck around for months now. You're yeah, right. Yeah. Well, folks, uh, if you definitely do this already, uh, uh, email us, cordkillers at gmail.com and, and let us know your experiences with it. Uh, or if you don't, or if you've tried it and, and failed, uh, whatever, we'd, we'd love to hear about it because it is a trend that's not going away. Be interested to see in that, Someday when we all are able to leave our house whenever we want and go hang out with whomever we want, wherever we want, uh, whether whether this this sticks around. But it is it is definitely a trend that is here for now. All right. Let's talk about what to watch in under surveillance. One of the things the pandemic has brought about is online streaming events instead of uh, things happening at conventions. For instance, CBS All Access did a Star Trek day where they streamed all kinds of interviews and special things, including a trailer for season three of Star Trek Discovery, showing the crew in the far future when the Federation has collapsed. Two new characters this season. Uh, we're also announced Ian Alexander will play a trans character who is a trill. That's a species in the Star Trek universe called Dre or I'm sorry, gray and uh, blue Del Barrio will play a character called Adira. Adira is a non-binary introvert suffering from memory loss. And apparently Adira bonds with Lieutenant commander, Paul Stamets and Dr. Hugh Colber. Star Trek discovery arrives on CBS all access on uh, October fifteenth, uh, uh, yes, October fifteenth, and October Netflix 15th. outside of all access markets, October sixteenth. Uh, man, that is one thing. Uh, talk, talking about stuff that's not going to go away. Uh, I, I remember how excited I used to be about being at E three, but my experience of being at E three consisted mainly of missing everything good. And and the first year that I stayed home, I'm like. Well, this is great. They're all live streaming all of the good stuff and the and you 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 don't miss a thing and you get to live tweet about it. And uh uh it might be that announcement days like this have become the new normal and there's not really a need to go and physically all cram into hall E at a giant convention center or whatever. Well, I don't mi mind missing out on Hall H at Comic-Con. That's something I can leave in the past, but I definitely miss the uh, convention aspect of like being able to reunite with some of my friends and family and folks that I know online and never get to see in, in real life. Uh, but other than that, I love the idea of being able to sit at home and watch streaming announcements like CES is canceled in January. As far as the real life version of Vegas, I'm totally okay with watching announcements online. Yeah, I covered CES without being there for a few years, and it was kind of fine. I, I I missed seeing the people, but if you can't see the people anyway, you know, not really going to miss anything on the news end of this. Uh, I am really excited for this season of Discovery, though. The trailer looks great. These characters sound amazing, and they're in the tradition of Star Trek, sort of plowing ahead of the trends of, of the kind of characters that you include in a cast. So um, I'm excited for October 15th myself. Cool. Same. The first trailer for Denis Villeneuve's Dune is out, uh, starring Timothy Chalamet, Rebecca Ferguson, Oscar Isaac, Stellan Skarsgård, Zendaya, Jason Momoa, Josh Brolin, Dave Bautista, and Javier Bardem. The movie covers only the first half of the first Dune book. Uh, there's also a prequel series called Dune the Sisterhood planned for HBO Max. Dune the movie arrives in theaters, should theaters allow it, December 18th. Um, 
is uh, 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 Dave Bautista is he is he playing uh, Baron Harkonnen or or who who's who's playing Harkonnen? Do you know? I shouldn't have. I shouldn't have. Really. I mean, I I can look it up on IMDb for you uh, if you would like. I I, I just uh, thought you might already know. I I, I rather like the trailer, uh, but I liked it mainly for, in a nostalgic kind of way of uh, just remembering, you know, the the David Lynch version. Um, and and you know, you it's sort of like you always fall in love with your first doctor who and, uh, Stellan Skarsgård is Harkonnen. Okay. Got it. Got it. Uh, but, uh, but, but this, this seems like a fine oh, doctor who Dave, Dave Batista is beast Raban. Ah, got it. Uh, but I'm yeah, excited no, I, about it. I, I, am, I love the original book. Um, I read the entire book. It was amazing. When I was a teenager, I saw the original movie when that came out and I'm so excited to see this. I hope that it's fairly accurate. It doesn't have to be cause it's a long book, but as long as it has like some accuracy to the original formatting, I'll be happy. And it looks really, really nice. It looks gorgeous. So I'm excited. It looks like the classic Dune covers. Kind yes, of dark it does. and sandy. It's not bright colored. Uh, and and the characters all look plausible to me. We don't get to see any of them for more than a few seconds at a time, of course. But the worm looks good. I'm with you. Yes. This, this the spice promising. must flow. <laughs> Fear is the mind killer. <laughs> Go see it. December 18th. A trailer is out for No Time to Die. That's a James Bond movie that will be the last with Daniel Craig as Bond. Uh, now scheduled for UK and Australian theaters November 12th and the US November 20th. Man, I saw this trailer. Looks a lot like a James Bond movie. Really did. I noticed that too. <laughs> well... <laughs> Would you imagine yeah. that? <laughs> I'm going to guess. I haven't seen it, but I'm going to guess if you like James Bond movies, you're going to love this. <laughs> it, it, they did kind of hint at, there's like one or two frames where they kind of hinted at shaking up some of the gender stereotypes that that, sure. that, that we've come to associate with James Bond. So um, It has evolved over the years, yeah. and this seems to be like, you know, moving it a little bit more forward as well. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, here's an interesting one. David Benioff and D.B. Weiss are going to produce a series for Netflix based on the Three Body Problem trilogy. Uh, that is a science fiction trilogy from Chinese author Liu Shixin, translated by Ken Liu, both of whom will be consulting producers. This sounds familiar. D.B. Weiss and David Benioff doing a sprawling group of books with the authors available as consulting producers. Huh. Uh, Alexander Wu, who worked on AMC's The Terror Infamy, will write and executive produce along with Benny Offenweiss. Uh, they have a whole lot of uh, pedigreed people producing this, as including Ryan Johnson uh, among the executive producers. Uh, how, I assume you've read these books, right? I have. They're uh, fantastic. I, I, I read the first one and a half of them, and then it got a little bit tedious for, for my taste, but I really enjoyed the epiphanies and the setup of the first book. And I think... I think they can. It might be one of those situations where, kind of like Game of Game of Thrones, uh, the first few seasons of Game of Thrones were better than the books, and just, you know, kind of like Lord of the Rings movies. I, I'll say those are better than the books, and they have a chance <gasps> to make this better than the books. I think because I mean, it's it's you know, obviously there's translation issues and and the way. Uh, I, I don't know if it's a cultural type of writing or whatever, but but all of the characters speak very very flatly. They, they everything is very 
high-minded, and and there are things that I could tell didn't quite resonate with me uh, as as kind of a you know that that Western independent spirit. Like I'm like, why would you even say that? I don't understand. And and it could be that they have the opportunity to tweak that a little bit and make it more appealing to me. I think that was one of the things they wanted to do when they made this series is make it more appealing to you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, but, but yeah, uh, I, Shannon, I heard you gasp there. For a <laughs> I was gasping because he said that the Lord of the Rings movies were better than the books. Oh my God. There's no Tom Bombadil singing forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And ever. <laughs> I, I don't know if we can be friends now. <laughs> The road goes ever onward, you two. Come on, we'll we'll be fine. Uh, I I am very much positive about this because of what you said, Brian. Uh, the first couple seasons of Game of Thrones were at least as good as the book, if not better in many ways. And what Benioff and Weiss showed with Game of Thrones is when they have the material, uh, they can adapt it into a very good television show. Uh, and they have all three books here. There's no waiting for a book or working off notes or anything like that. So I think that's good. Yeah. Uh, Netflix is under pressure over a French documentary that it is hosting called Cuties, centering on an 11-year-old Senegalese girl in Paris who joins a dance clique. Uh, the series first took heat for a poster that many saw as sexualizing a child, and the same criticisms have been levied against the documentary as a whole. A petition has circulated and a campaign to get people to cancel Netflix subscriptions because of it. Netflix says Cuties is, quote, a social commentary against the sexualization of young children. In fact, the director of the documentary said the people who are making complaints about this documentary are making the complaints that I was trying to make while making the movie. Uh, Cuties won the World Cinema Dramatic Directing Award at Sundance in 2019, but this is a very intractable controversy for Netflix. Uh, when you say intractable, you mean you mean like like uh... it's Kobayashi Maru? Yeah. I, mean, I think I, if they pull it, they cause as many people to criticize them for silencing the voice as they will get if they leave it up for people saying, yes, we know you're trying to shed light, but we think this is exploitative beyond the amount that it needs to be. Maybe maybe the, uh, the, the key is to just uh, have somebody watch Twitter and every time somebody complains, send them a screener copy. Say, hey, guess who just got early access and can actually make a judgment call on it? Uh, because, I mean, it was similar, like a Little Miss Sunshine had a bit of the, these themes in it as well. Um, I mean, that was, you know, fictional and comedic. But uh, but it seems yeah. like if they're confident that their message comes through, then the fastest way to shut everyone up is to put it in their hands. The, the problem is the Parents yeah. Television Council, which is leading this, did review the film. They're like, we watched it. We get what you're trying to say. We still think that it overly sexualizes the characters beyond what you needed to do. Hmm. So I don't know. Does this say more about how people tend to look at young female women's bodies more so than this subject of the movie itself? I hope that makes sense. Yeah, no, I think I get what you're, what you're saying, which is people are seeing things in the movie because of their own see. perspective, not because it's in the movie. Yeah, and I, I can't make my own personal opinion on it without seeing the movie. I've watched sure. the trailer, um, but that was it. So I really need to watch it myself. But I, I just see so much uh, 
so much opinions based on, you know, the trailer and based on the poster. I, I just really want to see it for myself to see if, if these opinions are based on fact. Cause the, I mean, how many schools across the United States, and I know exactly. this is a French documentary, but how That's many schools how I felt. have teen or younger girls coming out at halftime and performing something? And how many of us, even if just to ourselves went, is that okay? Like, <laughs> yeah. should they be dancing like that? Yeah. yeah. Not only that, so, but how many schools have like dress codes that are just based on cl clothing that teenage girls wear? Like that it's, mm -hmm. is it a societal issue more so than an issue with this specific movie? I don't know. I could go deep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. And I, I think what, what's interesting about this from the show cord killers perspective is this is the first of the Netflix controversies that hasn't been uh repressive government says take a thing down so they had to you know and it was you know fairly clear cut you might have an opinion one way or another but there wasn't much they could do they don't have to have this movie france isn't telling them they have to take it down this is entirely a matter of public opinion and there are rational arguments on multiple sides of this mm -hmm. so yeah uh we will see i think netflix i was gonna say we'll see what netflix does it sounds like they're gonna just stick by their director and, and by the film uh, and and try to tell people like, hey, you know, we're trying to send that message that you say uh, needs to be understood. So, all right, let's uh, take a look at the notes. FX's Atlanta season three and four delayed due to coronavirus. Uh, so it's probably not gonna come until later in 2021. Fargo, on the other hand, finished season four production, which is good news because it premieres September 27th on FX. So the whole the whole season's in the can. Uh, Peacock launched clips for its original talk shows, Wilmore coming September 18th and the Amber Ruffin show coming September 25th. Venture Brothers has been canceled by Adult Swim after seven seasons and 17 years. Uh, they say they'll pursue a new home, but for now it's over. Mandalorian season two got a date, kicking off on Disney Plus October 30th. Uh, Disney's Mulan is available for purchase, of course, right now, but it will come to all subscribers without having to pay extra on December 4th. Hulu is acquiring the Michael Sheen and David Tennant lockdown comedy called Staged. Nev Campbell is coming back to play Sydney in a version of Scream being relaunched by Paramount Spyglass. Obi-Wan Kenobi series began filming uh, or, or began production and it will begin filming this spring. No plans for a second season, however, according to the star. And Wonder Woman 1984 opening has been pushed. Uh, will no longer open on October 2nd and instead will open December 25th. Man, that Wonder Woman story, you know everybody just has their fingers crossed and they're like, back to normal, back to normal, back to normal, please, 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 back to <laughs> yeah. normal. Well, that means the big blockbusters aren't coming till November. Remember when we were talking about like, Tenet yeah. will come back in July, followed by Mulan at the end of the month. Now we're not seeing anything till November and Mulan went pay-per-view, so. Yeah, do, do you think they're going to do day and date on, on 1984 or? No, no. Okay. No. December 25th. That's, that's a big blockbuster thing. They want to make the money at the theaters with this thing. Otherwise they wouldn't mm -hmm. be pushing it. I think, I think we'll see. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> All right. Let's talk about what we've had our eyes on. So you've been watching Shannon. Uh, so I like totally splurged on watch. Well, I, <laughs> I watched the entire entirety of away in like, two days. 
uh, I realize it's like 10 episodes. So I wasted a whole weekend just watching the show and I loved it. Away is a Netflix series. It's only about 10 episodes. It's about a woman who is hired as the commander for this, uh, this trip to Mars. It's a three-year trip uh, that she has to take. And it takes a very realistic approach to a slightly futuristic uh, story about humans taking their first mission to Mars. Uh, there's political parts in it because there is a whole like international crew. Uh, there's a lot in there about psychological issues that you may face when you're going out into space for a long period of time. And there's a lot of information in there about how loved ones at home experience that separation and deal with those kind of uh, separational issues too. Uh, from their own perspective. So it's it's a really interesting take on an outer space movie where there's, you know, there's no aliens or anything. It's very realistic. And I think that's why I got sucked into it so much is because you can relate to the characters so well. Yeah. And I, I like, you know, whether, whether you think it'll actually happen this way or not, I, I like that they made it a truly international uh, effort because you have more interesting characters that way. You have more interesting conflicts because the Chinese and the Russian uh, member of the crew look at some point like they're teaming up against the rest of yes. the, the members. And yeah, it just, it adds a little spice to that story, I think. It does. And it's it's close enough to our time frame in 2020 where they still have things like you know, handheld smartphones that they are dialing in on. But they're also just slightly ahead of us in the future where they can use their smartphones to connect via satellite to get an actual text transmission to mm -hmm. their mom that is almost at Mars, which I thought was such a fascinating way to approach the sci-fi aspect of technology for this movie or for the TV show. It felt like All right, Brian, what, what uh, have you been watching? I, I started because somebody in the comment just goes, sounds like Emmy bait. <laughs> um, uh, in a good way. Gauchim said that with in a good way at the end. So. I, uh, I've been uh, watching The Vow, uh, four episodes in right now. It's on HBO. It's about the... Uh, 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 Nexium, Nexium, uh, uh, some would call it a cult. And, um, uh, I don't know how the story ends. I wasn't reading the headlines as it happened. Um, uh, it's interesting because they play a little fast and loose, uh, in terms of what's a recreation and, uh, mm. portraying stuff. They, 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 they're not good about time coding, like mm -hmm. where we are, are we in 2017 or are we in 2008 or where, where are we? Um, and I, I'm willing to give it the benefit of the doubt, uh, until we land. And, and I know the whole story, but, but oof, uh, 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 Justin Robert Young was a little bit wound up. He was about like, like, uh, Hey man, I know enough of this story that, that, that we are being deliberately deceived on how they're telling it right now. So I'll, I'll report back again later on. Yeah, I've I've been thinking about this a lot lately. Documentaries are often seen as like, yeah, but this is showing you the facts. They are just as perspective riddled as any other movie, right? It all depends on what you choose to put in there. Yeah, well, and and also uh, uh, <laughs> the the conclusion that we came to on the Weird Things podcast was, who boy, if you're ever going to do anything wrong, know the filmmaker, know them by name, <laughs> because then once they're in your side, then you get to play the hero, no matter what role it is. 
Uh, that brings me to, to what I was watching, uh, which is a documentary as well called What We Left Behind, looking back at Star Trek Deep Space Nine. This is available for free on Tubi right now. Uh, Andrew Heaton of the uh, Political Orphanage and Alienating the Audience recommended this to me, and he was not wrong. This documentary shouldn't work at all. It was made by the showrunner, Ira Stephen Bear, uh, and it had the full cooperation of the entire cast and crew the uh, at least the living cast and crew uh it uses some archival footage but a lot of it was interviews done specifically for this documentary and it is fantastic because they make an effort to own up to things that went wrong to controversies to mistakes uh for instance the woman terry farrell who played jedzia dax left after season six and was replaced for the final season of the show by a different woman playing a version of her character because her character is an alien that can have part of them live on uh, if you don't know about trills go look up trill but uh i love that they just ask Terry. They're like, you know, what happened? And Terry's like, I was angry and I didn't think I was being listened to. And I'm still angry. And they didn't gloss over it and they didn't solve it. Then they go and they talk to the guy who was the head of Paramount television at the time and said, why didn't you give Terry a better deal? And he's like, well, you know, here's my perspective on it. I thought we were, and this is kind of thing happens. Anyway, that's just one example of how they are unflinching. Uh, they, they have a segment where Iris Stephen Bear is going through all the things they did to like push the boundaries of television. And at one point he's like, you know what? No, we shouldn't get credit for that. We could have done better. We could have done more on that. Anyway, uh, I think it's a very well-crafted documentary and uh, the kind of thing you can only do when you have the people involved uh, doing it without worrying about, you know, what the perception is going to be. Uh, and it's just a great look at Deep Space Nine. If, if you were a fan at all of Deep Space Nine, it's an excellent, uh, it's an excellent look. They did a thing uh, where they had all the actors read hate mail that they got during the run of the season. <laughs> they did a mean tweet That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so go check that out. It's called What We Left Behind on Tubi. Uh, hey, Bryce, what should we be on the lookout for? Hey, you know, uh, we are covering a new show on Spoiler in Time. In fact, we are pausing the Larry Sanders show to cover this. Uh, but Amazon Prime Video launched season two of The Boys last week. Uh, this, uh, if if you don't remember, is the show about uh, superheroes, kind of Marvel-style superheroes, uh taking on a sort of authority role in uh, in America. So they uh, are kind of protectors, and there's a whole conversation about super villains and super terrorists. Uh, season two picks up uh, right after season one, and there's a lot... The, 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 the show is very similar, I think, to where it was in season one, though it leans more into a lot of the police parallels and, and the private military contractor storylines rather than kind of the Hollywood and celebrity of, uh, of season one, which I think is an interesting and very prescient turn for it. There's a new superhero called <clears throat> Stormfront, uh, which is just it's exactly what you think so she joins the uh the seven the the big uh, avengers style crew and she is very clued in online and she has a whole army of memesters looking to uh to continue to strengthen the authority of the seven uh and and it's it's interesting uh brian and tom just as a a, a quick preview spoiler free preview of spoiler in time today 
How did you guys feel about the first four episodes? Um, I, I, I only made it through three of the four. There's so much television. Also, I watched Larry Sanders. I didn't know we were pressing pause on that. I forgot we did. Uh, but uh, but uh, the first three episodes, uh, I remember being very, very thankful that that show earned so much credit by being so dark so early. It's, it, it's so dark in the first season, the first four episodes, that some people tapped out. But what it buys for that is the increasing right to get sillier and sillier and still have me on board. Not, which is not to say you think ah, the season's sillier. It's a little sillier. Really? Uh, I, oh, wow. I feel I mean, the exact opposite. Yeah, about you know, it. I uh, think Billy the Joel vanishing and that was a real music video. I understand. I, but, uh, but, but, but if they had opened with that, that's not what I would have thought about the show. Uh, and then also, um, uh, character. I mean, um, let me, let me, let me just say, uh, uh, the duet with Patton Oswalt, uh was a little bit silly uh if you guys know what scene i'm talking about when somebody I, is i remember that he's a voice of something yeah uh, he's, when somebody's high on a trip oh yeah okay <laughs> it's well, a little silly it's that's, that's, that's all i'm saying but, but i'm still on board <laughs> tom uh just quick impressions i enjoyed it okay there we go. Uh, so there are four episodes out now of The Boys Season 2. That's on Amazon Prime Video. Those are coming out on Fridays. And we are going to, I guess, maybe not catch up all the way on Spoiler in Time this week. Tune in and find out. Uh, if you've got something that we should be on the lookout for, email us, cordkillers at gmail.com. Brian, tell us all the things. Uh, oh, hey, uh, uh, quick note, uh, doghousesystems.com. They provided all of the hardware that powers everything that's here. They're in the middle of transferring to another server. So as soon as they're back up, oh, which it looks like they are right mm -hmm. now. No, maybe not. Make sure to use promo code ROGUE. That's R-O-G-U-E at checkout. You'll get a special uh, bonus SSD on your on your order. And most importantly, you'll be letting them know that, that, that they're good folks. Let's move on to the front lines. <laughs> I think this will fail, but I love it. <laughs> WGN America launched News Nation, an evening TV news broadcast with aims to be fact-oriented, not catering to political slants. That includes having rhetoricians on staff to examine the language and scripts to try to limit bias and loaded words. It works. It is the first television news I've watched in more than a decade that did not enrage me and actually made me feel like maybe I was informed somehow. Uh, news Nation runs on its app and on WGN America, 8 to 11 p.m. Eastern. There's a similar, there's an app called Ground News that does a similar thing where, where basically every story that pops up, it gives you the, the six different versions of it. And oh, it no, shows... no, no, this is entirely different. This I, is I a know, news team I, I, that right. is not giving you six different versions. It's right. creating a version on television that a newscaster is delivering to you. Like, I know, I know that there's a parallel there, but I'm just saying like, to me, it's like, yeah, you, you can find stuff that tries to, to give you an unbiased version that's knit together, but this is like old fashioned. I don't know. There's something about that. It's different. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, a streaming service called uh, View It has launched with content from 200 local TV stations. It streams all of the great televisions, 93 market channels, and some of the Meredith Corp's 17 stations, as well as several other privately held stations. The service is free and ad-supported, similar to Sinclair Broadcasting's Stir, which features its 191 stations. 
Yeah. So for the two of you that are very interested in getting your local television station streamed, there is now a Netflix for local television. Yeah. I mean, again, this is one I think is really important and I'm glad it's there and I have fear that it's not going to work. <laughs> But we'll see. Uh, Nielsen put out its first ratings for streaming TV viewed on a television. This is when they, this is like, we're not watching on a phone. You're watching TV. What is the biggest stuff watched on your TV? The ratings only include Netflix and Amazon for now. They do plan to expand that. The ratings for August 3rd through the 9th are interesting. Netflix pretty much dominated it. The Umbrella Academy led the way with 3 billion minutes of viewing because it had just premiered. Shameless, the Showtime show, but available with past seasons on Netflix, came in number two. Uh, in fact, most of the top-rated shows were acquisitions on Netflix, including number three, Grey's Anatomy, The Office, NCIS, Supernatural, and In the Dark. Man, I'm so I'm so bummed that this is only happening now because there was this brief window when uh, when Hacking the System hit Netflix. And uh, I know, yeah. There was only kind I of these proxy that. things that, that you could kind of guess, and it looked like we were doing well, but they weren't giving those numbers out. Uh, I'm okay with these numbers. Yeah. Uh, accidental product pages uh, posted at Home Depot, Walmart, and Target indicate that Google will release a new Android TV streaming dongle called Google Chromecast with Google TV for $49.99. This would reflect the reports that Google will rebrand Android TV back to Google TV. Thank goodness. Just, just, just keep changing. That sounds... Just keep changing the names. Sounds legitimate. They did post a little teaser on Twitter that said, grab your popcorn or something like that with a, um, with a date on it. I forget the date at the moment, but it sounded like they're going to announce most likely an Android TV or a Google TV. And I'm yeah, pretty September excited 30th about that. Is, is September 30th is that event you're talking about. So yeah, I'll listen in go. and hopefully be able to review some kind of device. The Apple TV app has arrived on Vizio Smartcast TVs in Canada and the U.S. New subscribers can get a three-month free trial of Apple TV+. Plus. That doesn't work if you've already got a subscription, only if you're brand new. Uh, it will also offer access to movies and TV shows you own through Apple, as well as Apple TV Plus channel add-ons, you know, like Showtime and Stars on your Vizio TV. And YouTube TV is adding the NFL Network to its baseline $65 a month package and the NFL Red Zone as part of its $10.99 Sports Plus add-on package and also includes uh, uh, Fox College Sports, Go ITV, and Fox Soccer Plus. That's goal. Goal, oh, goal, goal TV. Ah, goal got it. TV. That was one of those, like, oh, because I know ITV is a European network. And, uh, ah, right. Could have gone either I, way. I placed a bet. Yeah. It was wrong. <laughs> uh yeah youtube uh, has a tier now not so simple anymore are you youtube tv hmm. <laughs> i see all right let's get to the dispatches from the front Davey writes, uh, my input on the proposed shuffle button option. Remember, we talked about Netflix testing that. A few years ago, Hulu had a series of best of playlists on their show pages that I enjoyed, specifically in Star Trek Voyager. I remember a best of seven of nine playlist that satisfied that feeling of, I want to watch Star Trek, but I don't want to choose which episodes. I thought that would be a great addition, especially with series like Trek, where we finally have new content coming out, an option that would curate past content that might serve to provide context. 
Yeah, meanwhile, uh, Dan Campos uh, writes in, and uh, to summarize, uh, in Mexico, he was getting some uh, uh, proposals for basically reserve an entire theater for you and your family. And uh, uh, these these are movie theaters that they're not going to make a lot of money. They're probably going to lose a lot of money. But a family that wants to all sit together can do so, or you can rent it and maybe it's a, a group outing and everybody's able to sit socially distanced safely apart from each other. But uh, uh, he, he sent over some pictures showing just how spread out everyone is, which uh, I mean, I, I, I don't blame them. That's that's we're at the point that they got to do something. Yeah. And if there's no movies to show, uh, just saying like, Hey, want to rent a theater and watch a movie with people might right? be pretty good. Whatever compelling. you want. Anything but the abyss. (laughs) And then Ross. Yeah. Well, maybe that's the only way you can get the abyss. (laughs) Uh, Ross wrote in and said, Hey guys, I've had a Roku three for years and always been super happy with it and recommended Roku to everyone in streaming conversations because of its neutral stance on channels. However, the HBO max and Peacock fights are knocking the shine off my one time favorite, especially since I'm supposed to get HBO max as a perk of my AT&T fiber package. What is the next best whatever device I want that will let me stream what I want when I want? Simpler interface is better as any device must pass the Mrs. Approval. Uh, Well, uh, we'll see what Google TV looks like, uh, but it'll probably look like Android TV. And your other options would be Fire TV, uh, Apple TV, and, you know, most of the others are kind of Android TV-based spins out there. I... I'd say is your next best bet after Roku is Apple TV. Uh, they have mm. all of the stuff now. The, the knock on Apple TV is it used to not have all of the apps, but they have all the apps now. Maybe I should get an Apple TV because I've been having the same issue. And they have a Plex app. I, I like know. the Apple TV, but the complaint that I always hear about it is that people either hate the remote or they like mm-hmm. the remote. I like the remote. Uh, Tom, I think you do you like because it's I'm got fine a, with the remote. The remote does not swipe, bother me. It's a swipe yeah. touch screen instead of it, it has a learning curve. Yeah. And some people don't want to have a learning curve. I get that. And when you once you get see like people in the chat are already saying the remote's awful. And when, but once you get used to it, you it I feel like it's harder to go back to buttons and click, 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 click. Yeah, listen, you could just here, sh- here's the thing. Uh, there are uh, people like me and Bryce in the world. And then there's the rest of the world. We get that. <laughs> so... <laughs> Everyone hates the remote. It's just me and Bryce that like it. It's fine. It's fine. Uh, but you can, you can, you can still operate it, right? It's not, it's not like unusable. And uh, we might get a, a new Apple TV here. You know, there's an Apple announcement tomorrow. I would bet on a new Apple TV tomorrow, but there'll probably be another Apple announcement in October. So I don't know. Keep your eyes open. Uh, yeah, I think that is the most widely compatible version because again the fire tv has the same problems roku does with hbo max and peacock well that is it for us shannon morris thank you so much a pleasure as always well thank you for having me it was so great to be here if uh, people want to find not only your plex tutorial but all the things you do where should they go uh, well, you can always find me on Twitter. I'm at snubs, but the best place to go is youtube.com slash Shannon Morse, just like the name Morse code. Uh, I've recently done a Pixel 4a review, which went very in-depth, and I'm also giving away three Wi-Fi pineapples from Hack5 on my newest video, just in case there's any like major cybersecurity geeks in your audience, you might be interested in that. But uh, yeah, yeah, that's the brand are- new one? 
That's so that cool. is the brand new one. I actually had to wait to get it shipped. So I got it at the same time as everybody else, but it was really <laughs> exciting to set it up. And it's so, it's so easy to use now. Oh my gosh. They did a great job. Go hack five devs. That's Woo-hoo. awesome. Our website is cordkillers.com. Our email address is cordkillers at gmail.com. We're live on twitch.tv slash night attack. Also on diamondclub.tv, Mondays, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. We'll see you again next time. Hey, Tom Merritt. Yes, Brian Brushwood. Know who I love even more than my own children? Your other children? No, not my wife. I know what you're saying. I love our $5 patrons. These are the people that keep us alive and independent. Thank you so much, $5 patrons. You know what? I love them more than not life itself, because then I'd be dead and I couldn't appreciate them, but really, really, really close. And I'm so thankful that they are here to make this show happen. Thank you so much to all of our $5 a month patrons. You guys are wizards. You're champions. You're heroes. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. (laughs)